Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. kind of glad we have a little extra time tonight. I wanted to to finish up what we've been doing here concerning desiring spiritual gifts. And sometimes I get a little wordy and tonight I want to get through all the subject matter. So either I'm going to speed things up or I'm going to take some things out, but we're going to get it done tonight. This is such a uh, an important uh, subject matter uh, for the body of Christ today in this year 2023 to desire gifts, to desire manifestations of the Holy Spirit, to desire God moving in our midst. And so we're going to look at that. This is installment number two. Let's trust him for eyes that see, a heart that perceives, and also light unto our path. Father, we thank you tonight for the eternal word of God. We thank you that your word is the power of God unto salvation. And Lord, I thank you that it's a blueprint. It shows us the path that we're to be on in this hour as we make a way for the Lord to return. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts right now. We believe we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of your word, in the knowledge of the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And we thank you that the eyes of our spirit are enlightened. Just give him thanks for that right now. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles where you are this evening, there will be no projection tonight, so we are flying solo. So get your Bible apps open, get your hard copy of the Word of God out, and let's jump in here. We're talking about desiring. Uh, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit to desire a God working in our midst. And over here in Acts, the second chapter, we see Peter as a, a spokesperson for the body of Christ, for the early church. There was 120 that were there in that upper room who had a prayer meeting for at least 10 days. And in the midst of that environment that they created, God came into their midst. There was a mighty rushing wind, and there was fire that sat upon them. And then the Lord moved them out into the streets, making what I would say quite a commotion, because they were acting, as the Bible says, like they were drunk. And we know that they weren't. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see here in Acts 2.17, Peter begins to explain what's going on and why it's happening. Now here he says, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, it says that in the last day it shall be. Now, we mostly phrase or categorize this dispensation that we're in as the age of grace, 
Sometimes we categorize these last 2,000 years of the church as the church age, but the Bible calls it the last days. The last days. And it's a time period of over 2,000 years. Remember, a day to the Lord is as a thousand years. So the Lord, to the Lord, this has just been two days <laughs> plus some change that's been uh, taking place since this day of outpouring. And so he says that in the last day, for so understand that it's the will of God, it's the plan of God in this segment of time of these two days plus, these, this 2,000 plus years according to man, have been the last days in which the Lord said he will pour out of his spirit. So understand that we're in that place of dispensation where it is God's will. God has made provision for his spirit to work amongst his church, just as it did when it was upon Jesus during his earthly ministry. He goes on to say that when this spirit comes upon all flesh, and he's talking about the church, obviously, because he says your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. That's a manifestation of the spirit. Your, your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And he begins talking about these manifestations of the Holy Spirit because the spirit of God has been poured out upon us. So in a definition of what this outpouring was given to produce, this Holy Spirit outpouring is the empowerment of the church to be a witness for Jesus Christ all the way up to the day that he returns to step foot on the earth. And so that means in real time right now, the church is empowered to reach the world for Jesus Christ. That's the reason we have been given his power. He says that when this power comes on you, you shall be what? You're going to be a, a witness. You're going to be a billboard. You're going to be an advertisement for the resurrected Savior, and you're going to depict and reveal the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, when you and I are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we walk in his manifestations, then we're going to begin drawing people to Christ. And that's exactly what Peter said in the contents of what he was saying here in Acts chapter 2, down here in verse 21. He says that in these last days, when you have these this power working in your midst, it says, then it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's important for us to embrace what God has given for you and I in these last days. These manifestations of the Holy Spirit aren't particularly for us individually. They're for those around us. I've heard it said many, many times that the power gifts, the manifestations of the Lord's resurrection power is kind of like a dinner bell that is rung to draw people to Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what God is doing today in his church here in this year, 2020.
23. Now, having said that, we can see clearly that it's the will of God for God to manifest himself in, in all of our gatherings as believers. Not just in teaching and preaching, but also in demonstrations and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Many of us call that signs and wonders. Now we can see that clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That it is the will of God for him to manifest every time we gather in his name. Remember, we gather in the name of Jesus, therefore allowing him place in our midst. Not just to observe, to be, but orchestrating and working through his body. Now take a look at this verse, which will depict what I'm talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, go to verse 26. And if you've never read the entire chapter of uh, 14 here of 1 Corinthians, Paul takes a lot of time after telling us about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit there in verse 12, and then in chapter 13 telling about the love of God, and then he goes right into these manifestations of the Holy Spirit and begin to instruct their operation and their function. Now look here in verse 26, it says, How is it then, brethren? Now he's talking, well, when we, brother is not, not just a cultural uh, term for somebody. It's talking about the brothers and sisters that have become a part of the family of God. So this is a believer that Paul is talking about. He says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together? So he's talking about a gathering of believers. We're talking about essentially a church service. He says that when you come together, it says every one of you. <laughs> Did you see that? It didn't say just the pastor, just the one uh, overseeing the service. No, he says every one of you has a psalm. That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the word and full of the spirit, you will speak in psalms. He says you have a doctrine. That's a that which is taught. You have a tongue. That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You have a, a revelation. <laughs> Glory to God. See, this is the Holy Spirit moving through the body to edify and build up the body. Every one of you has an interpretation. Let all these things be done unto edifying. Amen. Now, obviously... No, they're not all speaking at once. They're not allowing the Holy Spirit to contradict or to interrupt himself. This is done in an orderly fashion. Amen. But what I want you to see, that it's the will of God for the Lord to manifest in our midst as he wills and he sees fit. Now, I asked all of us here last Wednesday night, I, I gave you a question. I posed actually a couple of questions to you. We're seeing clearly from the Word of God 
that it's the will of God, it's the plan of God, it's the purpose of God, especially us being in this dispensation of the last days when he is pouring out his spirit upon us. Here's the question I posed each one of you. I trust you did your homework, that you've got an answer, or at least what you think is the answer to this question. Here we go. The question was, because it's the will of God to manifest himself, on a regular basis in our gatherings, in our church services, why aren't we seeing that happen more often? If it's the will of God, if it's the plan of God, if God has made way for this to take place, why aren't we seeing more of it? I had another question very close to that. Why doesn't the Holy Spirit manifest in every church? I grew up in the church there on the East Coast, and I never experienced the manifestation of the Holy Spirit until I came out here to Colorado. So why is that so? Why would it be happening here, but not elsewhere if it's the will of God? Well, I'm going to answer this very quickly, and I'm not really going to do it on a line-by-line -line, um, answer. I'm going to give you a quick oversight of why this is because we really need to get to the nuts and bolts on how to allow it to manifest on a more frequent basis so why aren't we seeing more of the holy spirit working in our midst why isn't the holy spirit working according to scripture in every church well the the, the big answer to that question is it's a lack of knowledge it, it's a lack of knowledge. The Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Anytime that God's not doing something in his midst, in our midst, that he has already preordained through his son and the great plan of redemption to make it ours, if we're not receiving it, it can only be two reasons. Either number one, I don't know about it, or I do know about it, and I choose not to receive it. That's really the answer to that. Understand that there's, a, there's really a real disconnect. And this has been happening over centuries. There's a real disconnect with God's church. And I'm talking about all those that have called upon the name of the Lord and are saved. There's a real disconnect from being born again and then making the step over into allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest in our midst. And there's been a tremendous campaign <laughs> and strategy by the devil to undermine the teaching of Scripture concer concerning the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I grew up being taught in the church. Can I say the church? And I was taught that miracles... Signs and wonders were done away with after the 12th apostle of the Lamb died. That all of a sudden, since God was able to advertise and start the church on power and people being healed and having miracles and things being uh, done by the Holy Spirit, it finally got to a point where God said, well, that's enough of that. I've proven that Jesus is my son. I don't have to say any more. And then all of a sudden, 
signs and wonders stopped. Number two, besides that, the manifestation of the Spirit and the power of God and miracles of God is not taught in many churches. Understand that faith for allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our midst can only come through the teaching of God's Word. And if we don't have the teaching of God's Word according to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit and how to allow Him to move, if we don't have the, the understanding from the Word of God, therefore we don't have the faith for those things to work in our midst. Number three, many believers think that God only manifests himself when he wills and apparently he don't will very very often to move many believers think that God is in total control and he fulfills his will apart from the will of man number three this is a a, a big item here in why we're not seeing more of the Holy Spirit moving in our midst is that the Holy Spirit, in terms of these manifestations, in terms of working these signs and these wonders and miracles, he can only operate those through those believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I mean, you know that just right there, we have decreased the percentage of believers that God can use in that regard hallelujah many believers are not filled with the Holy Spirit and then those who are filled with the Spirit many don't develop their relationship with the Holy Spirit so that they can begin to learn how to yield to him and allow him to manifest through them so having answered that those two questions in that way what I do want to get to is how can we have a part in allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our midst and I'm talking about not only in our churches I'm talking about in these times that we gather in 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 Bible studies when we gather in prayer uh, uh, services when we are at home having our own devotional time having time that we're praying Understand that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be there to help us in working through us and manifesting himself. We are to be walking in his power every day, not just on Sunday morning. Does that make sense? So how can we do our part to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our Miss. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is the chapter that Apostle Paul begins teaching on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We looked at them very briefly uh, last Wednesday. There are three manifestations that say something. That would be tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. There's three that do something, and that is special faith, 
working of miracles, and also, uh, hallelujah, special faith, oh yes, and gifts of healing, forgive me. Uh, number three, there's three that reveal something, and that's the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. Now, he begins to describe these, these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And understand, this is just a small part of what the Holy Spirit is able to do through us. Hallelujah. Now, here in verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm reading from the King James, and I want you to see something that maybe you might not have been taught about the Bible. Now, here in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, why the King James Version has been the standard, so to speak, for multiple centuries as being the go-to translation for uh believers in understanding the Bible is because when King James instructed his translators to translate from the original uh, scriptures, the original Greek and Aramaic, uh, Aramaic uh, languages into King James English, one of their instructions were that every Greek word had to be represented by at least one English word. And sometimes it took multiple English words to describe that Greek word. But if the translators took their liberty to add an additional word to the translation that didn't have a Greek word, they were told that they had to italicize it. And so all words italicized in the King James Version are words that weren't in the original transcripts. They were added by the translators thinking it would give you a better understanding of what they were saying. Now in this case, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, so when you read that, you think that the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is now talking about spiritual gifts. Right? After all, this chapter lists those nine manifestations, or what we call the gifts of the Spirit, so that makes sense. But that's not what he's saying in verse 1. Read it this way without the word gifts that was added. Now concerning spiritual brethren. It gives it a whole nother meaning. This chapter is not talking about manifestations of the spirit per se. It's talking about those believers who are spiritual to the degree that the Holy Spirit can manifest himself through them. 
And that's one of the reasons that we're not seeing so many manifestations of the Holy Spirit in today's church is because we don't have enough believers that have grown spiritually to cooperate with the Holy Spirit for him to manifest through them. So he says, now concerning spiritual brethren, I would not have you ignorant. What is a spiritual brother or a spiritual believer? Well, it's quite simple. It's one who is, number one, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And number two, a spiritual brother is one who cooperates with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So these manifestations of the Spirit will only, for the most part, I mean, there, there will be some exceptions. With God, there's always, there's always some exceptions. You've got to be careful that you don't make some, some statements, meaning everything is, is encompassed in what I'm saying. No, there, there, there can be a, a small percentage contradicting what I'm saying, but for the most part, God is going to manifest himself with the Holy Spirit through those that are spiritual. Those who are mindful of the way of the Spirit. And in agreement with the Word of God. So understand that when we, Spirit-filled believers, cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we will have him move in our midst. He will manifest. Now let's talk about for the balance of this time together this evening. Let's talk about how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Boom, 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 and we're out of here. You ready? The very first way to cooperate with the Holy Spirit is through this avenue of prayer. Go on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Now there's two aspects of prayer. The first is, use your prayers to release your faith to believe for the Holy Spirit to move. Understand that the Holy Spirit will move as He wills. I can't twist His arm and tell Him when to move. However, in order for Him to move, I have to be in faith. Does, does that make sense? Faith is believing in what the Word of God has revealed to you, and you're now claiming it as yours. Now look here in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It tells us to covet earnestly the best gifts. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he's telling us to covet or be passionately desiring the gifts, the best gifts, talking about the, how the Holy Spirit manifests himself. When he tells me to covet something, he's telling me to desire it. And when he tells me to desire something, he asks me to ask for it. What things whoever you desire when you pray. He's told us in Scripture that whatever desire that he's given us, and now he's telling us to have a desire for the gifts, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. He's now telling us to take that and mix it with our prayers in terms of believing for it, asking for it. 
give him pos uh, permission, so to speak, to move in that way. So the first aspect of prayer in cooperating with the Holy Spirit is start believing God for manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That means in your daily devotions. That means when you gather to pray, when you gather to worship, when you gather under the sound of God's word, every time that you have an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit begin believing for it. Number two, look at this other verse of scripture that says the same thing. You're already in 1 Corinthians, go to the 14th chapter, look at verse 1. We are told to follow after charity. Now that's King James, that word charity is King James for agape, the God kind of love. If you look at the original transcripts, they translated King James, agape, which is the God kind of love, into this word charity. So follow after love and do what? Desire spiritual gifts. Now, listen to me. The Lord is not going to ask you and I to desire something, to covet something, to ask for something that he's not willing to give us. Amen? I mean, that's a DOH right there. He's revealing what his will is when he tells you to desire it. Hallelujah. But yet we still, even though it's his will and his desire for us, we have to ask for it. Hallelujah. Just like Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. He didn't say receive, even though you don't ask. No, the asking always comes first. God's response always comes second. Amen. So number one, we're to use prayer to believe for manifestations. Use our faith for manifestations. I'll never forget years ago. I was at Bible school with my wife, and we're down there minding our own business. And we had this guy get up. Uh, he was one of he was a guest uh, there at the school. We had a lot of guest speakers, and he told he he told us a testimony. Is that this was during the height of the Word of Faith uh, revival. Many call it the teaching revival. It, after the healing revival waned in the early 60s, then this teaching revival came in through the 70s and 80s. Some call it the charismatic movement, whatever that word means. But there was this, this, this man that had a church in Southern California. And he had a friend come to him, and, and, and this, this, this minister who was in this southern part of California, he had never heard the faith message. And so his friend came here and started showing him scripture, what faith was, how he had the measure of faith, how to use his faith, that he could believe God for this and for that. And so after this man was receiving this information, he was all ready to go. And so his friend says, so what do you want to believe for? And he started naming some natural things, you know, and knew this and knew that. And this minister says, you know, I want to move a God. I don't need any of that worldly stuff. I want to move a God. And so his friend goes, well, okay, if that's what you want. <laughs> so they, they got into agreement. And they believed God for a move of God.
Now, this guy's church was right off one of those freeways. You know, those places that sometimes are parking lots down there in Southern Cal. You know, one of those big four-lane jobs on either side. Well, several weeks after he had prayed and asked the Lord for a move of God in his church, one afternoon there was a traffic jam out on the interstate, out on the freeway. And they come to find out that there was guys coming down the road that all of a sudden were overcome by the presence of God when they went by his church and they had to pull over to see what it was. And they were being drawn to his building just because he believed God for a move of God. Now that's, that's remarkable. Now that's an extreme case, but you know, we can believe for a move. That's where it begins. What do you think they were doing in the upper room for 10 days? They were using their faith for a move of God. Hallelujah. Now, the second aspect of prayer is prayer creates an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move. If you're going to have someone come to your house and spend the night with you, you're going to have to make a place for them, right? Prayer makes a place for the Holy Spirit. I've seen in my personal life, I've seen all through Scripture that the times, nine out of ten times when the Holy Spirit shows up, it comes in a time where we're seeking God. And that's what prayer is. Look over here. In Luke chapter 3, this is the, the baptism of Jesus. Luke 3, verse 21, we're talking about praying to create a place or an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to manifest. Look here in Luke 3, 21, it says, Now all the people were baptized, and it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized. Now, I want you to see this. I hadn't seen this before. He didn't just get baptized. He was praying. D did you see that? He, he, didn't, he wasn't just simply obedient to be baptized. While he was being baptized, he was releasing his faith, and he was praying. He was asking. He was entreating God. Then what happened? The heaven was opened. Man, if you and I looked at how many places in the Bible it talks about an open heaven, we'll see that open heavens happen when we are obedient to God and when we solicit God with our prayers or we're worshiping God. It's awesome. You know what happens next. The Holy Spirit came down. Glory to God. Amen. Look at this other location of creating an atmosphere or a place for the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea, and his name was Cornelius. Now, he was a centurion, so he's a, a Roman officer and he's of the band or the the group 
of soldiers called the Italian band. Don't, don't make me say something funny right there. Number two, verse two, it says he's a devout man. He's one that feared, or could we say reverenced God with all his house. He gave much alms, which is, he, he gave much money, support uh, to the people. It was said in other portions of scripture that he uh, helped to build a, uh, a synagogue. And it says that he prayed to God always. Could we say of this man that he not only reverenced God, but he communed with God. He talked with God. He walked with God. What happened? Well, in verse 3, he saw in a vision. That is a manifestation of God the Holy Spirit. Not only that, an angel of God came to him and gave him instructions. That is a sign and a wonder. Notice it came on the heels of not only his relationship with God, but also that he was a man of prayer. Go down to the ninth verse. Same chapter 10, Acts. On the morrow, or the next day, the next day when Cornelius had this experience, and as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter, remember Peter? He went up on the housetop to do what? To pray. And so this was about the sixth hour. Uh, when the King James Version talks about the hour of the day, it's talking about this is the sixth hour of daylight. So this is probably about noon. So he's on the, he's on the, the housetop. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's praying. Now remember, prayer will always bring God on the scene. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, so they're probably downstairs making the food, he fell into a trance. He fell into a, lo a lower form of vision. And he saw what? Heaven open. Here's another example of heaven opening. Isn't that interesting? It opened when he was praying. Heaven opened, and then a certain vessel descended down to him, and it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and was let down in the earth. This was a tremendous revelation that God was giving Peter and Cornelius that God was now opening the gospel up to the Gentiles. That would be you and me. And he was able to do that to two men that were given to prayer and gave God place to move in their midst. And now, instead of the gospel being restricted to only the Jews, now it's opening up to people like you and me. Hallelujah, and all the world. We should be having encounters with the Holy Spirit in our prayer time. Now, 
I'm not saying that, that he should manifest every time you pray. That's not what I'm saying. But we should be having those kinds of experiences from time to time. When your heart is interwoven with his in prayer or in worship, and he begins to just minister life and truth and revelation in our heart and open us up to those things of the Lord. And from there, that's when those manifestations begin to be given birth. Amen. So number one, if we're going to see a move in our midst on a regular basis, we've got to have those two elements of prayer. We've got to believe with our prayers for manifestations. Number two, we've got to create an atmosphere for him to manifest. The second area, in order to allow the Holy Spirit to minister and manifest in our midst, is expectancy. Expectancy. Expectancy is a byproduct of what you believe. You see, if you believe something, then you'll expect something, and then you'll start making preparation to have that something. I want you to go on over here to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're talking about a symptom of faith, a symptom or a byproduct of asking God for something. Here in Acts 3, 1, here's Peter and John. And notice they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And so this is now the ninth hour. So that could be around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Verse 2, here comes this lame man who was carried, whom they laid daily. So this is a daily uh, routine of this beggar. They laid him daily at the temple, which is called Beautiful. And he's there to, to beg or to ask alms of those entering into the temple. Now, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Verse 4, it says that Peter directed his gaze at him, as John did, and he said, look on us. Now, this is a a strategy that Jesus used in his earthly ministry, and it's, it's what we should also use when we're trying to help other people. Everybody has an expectancy, whether it be a positive expectancy or a negative. And if we can begin to see God, if we can get them to start expecting what Jesus has for them, we can get them to start expecting or believing for that which God has for them. So Peter, knowing that, he tells them to look on us. Look at us. So now he's got this guy expecting something from these two. Peter and John are saying, look on us. 
And so now this man starts to have an expectancy that he's going to get money from them. He fixes attention on them, expecting. See the expectancy? Expecting what? To receive something from them. But Peter goes on to say, at this time, I don't have money for you. Don't expect money, but ex expect what I do have. So they're getting this man first to look at them, and now he's directing them what to look at them for. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give unto you. So his expectancy, this, this man is crippled. He's now expectant of this man to give him something, even though it's not money. And Peter uses the name. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So he got this man's gaze to be fixed on Peter and John, and in that name of Jesus, he was commanded to rise up, and so now his expectancy is to walk. Peter took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. You see, we talked about how we're to believe God for him to move in our midst. We're believing for him to manifest. We're believing for signs and wonders. We're believing for the miraculous. Well, if I really believe that he heard me, That when I have a time of gathering, if I have time at home in prayer and worship, if I have a time here in a church service, I'm going to come expecting what I believe I have and have touched in prayer. And expectancy is such an important role of causing our faith to be fervent and creative. This is why many people don't receive when they pray. Because they pray and ask for something, and then they look for evidence of whether they have it or not. That's not expectancy. That's walking by sight. But if I start coming to church, as I've been praying for signs and wonders to take place here in our very midst, I should have an increase of anticipation and excitement to go to church. And if I'm not excited to come, if I'm not expectant that he's going to do something in our midst, then I'm really not in faith, am I? I'm just going through a routine. I'm just going through a grind. If I really believe that it's his will to move, if I really believe he heard my prayer asking him to move, then when I come to church, I can't wait to get here. I've got this excitement. I'm all stirred up. Amen? And that's faith in action. And he'll respond to one person doing that. He'll respond to two people doing that. He'll respond to a whole body of believers doing that. And the more he has involved, the more he's able to do. Hallelujah. The 
Expectancy is key. Here's the last ingredient. And obviously, we're just hitting some high points. There's, there's so much more that we could be teaching on this. But we're just wetting our whistle tonight. Number three is compassion. Compassion. You see, a lot of what Jesus did in his earthly ministry was a manifestation of his compassion to those in need. If he didn't care, if he didn't care, then he wouldn't be pressing in to the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't be spending the time in prayer he was spending to give God place to manifest through him. I think compassion is, is an area that may get overlooked many times in the realm of the church. It's really the motivation for all that we do. Compassion is the love of God in action. Now look here in Matthew 9.35. Matthew 9.35. It talks about how Jesus went about during his earthly ministry. He taught uh, he healed, right? And he preached. But here in verse 36, it says that he saw the crowds. He saw the crowds. He began seeing the needs of the people. And that caused compassion to rise up for them. Now notice what what this passion led him to do. See, we need to have a release for compassion. And many times, the release for compassion for someone is to pray for that individual, to stand in the gap in their behalf and cause a connection through us with them having God in their life. It says that he was, he had compassion. He saw that they were harassed and helpless. That's what it says in the English Standard Version. And he saw that they were without a shepherd. And then in verse 37, he was moved to begin praying for them. And in verse 38, he said he prayed earnestly to the Lord. Earnestly because of his compassion for these people. What's our reason for wanting God to move in our midst? What's, what's, what's the reason? Well, Peter said, so we could have harvest. So lives would be touched. Lives would be changed. Lives would receive the life that God has for them. Bodies would be healed. Relationships would be mended. That's really what we want in a move of God. Because a move of God helps people to draw near to God because they can see Him at work. They're seeing His power. They're seeing His life. 
over here in Jude 1.20 talks about how we can build ourselves up individually where we can be filled with the Holy Spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, or praying in other tongues. And then he goes on to encourage us to keep ourselves in the love of God, to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and that he'd have mercy on those who doubt and save others by snatching them out of the fire to others to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. You see, he's telling us not just to be filled with the Spirit, but to use that in filling, in love and in mercy towards those that are without. I think it needs to be our heart. I think it needs to be our motive. I think it needs to be our purpose. That we don't want to move a God to make a name for ourselves. But no, what we're doing is we're making a place where God has the liberty to work in our midst. Oh, hallelujah. He can do so much for a person's life than any human being can do for them. And so if we allow this place that he's raised up to be used where he can speak, where he can move, where he can touch lives, where he can bring change, he can cause his love to going to see lives eternally changed. Amen? And that's what compassion does. It helps, to see the big, it helps us to see the bigger picture. It helps us to look through the eyes of Jesus. And that's where we need to be. Father, tonight we want to thank you for showing us how we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit is, is so simple to see in Scripture that you never moved independently of man. You always moved in cooperation with man. And that's the same today. You're not arbitrarily out there deciding, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, you're looking for a place where you're welcome. You're looking for a place that desires you. You're looking for a people that want more of you. Lord, I'm asking that you'd help us to be exactly that. Help us to move towards you so that you can move towards us. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out, guys. Hey, thanks for being on board out there in Streamlands. Good to have you. You guys really are blessed. Amen. We'll see you.